up, people? What's up? Y'all ready for some maniac shit? Ready to go wild? Ready to talk about music? Ready to jump off the deep end? You ready to jump off a building? <laughs> ready to jump off a cloud? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, <laughs> relax. Out of control. Let's not get crazy over here. Sorry. We can Sorry. get maniacal, but we can't get crazy. There's levels to this shit. There are levels. There <laughs> are. <laughs> All right, so thanks for being every- here, everybody. If y'all don't know, we're Side After Dark, a.k.a. The Music Maniacs, uh-huh. because we like music, and sometimes we go a little wild. We do. And... We're probably going to go a little while today because we got a really good topic. Uh-huh. One of the most legendary bands that's ever existed. One of the biggest bands that's ever existed. A band that completely revolutionized like stage shows, mm-hmm. what music and concept albums are, all that good stuff. Right here on Earth. Right on this planet. <laughs> the one that we're on right now. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about NSYNC. That's right. And by end sake, I mean Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Everybody makes their noise for Pink Floyd. <sighs> Yo, what if we did a live podcast one day? Oh, That'd be man. crazy. And then That'd we could actually awesome. hype people up. Yeah. One day. Yeah. Would you guys come? Yeah. Tell us in the comments. Yeah. Sit in. <laughs> we can rent a space. It'd be awesome. Okay. So we're talking about Pink Floyd. The one and only. The, the one the, and only. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. It's just like... <laughs> I'll start by saying, like, you have been influenced by Pink Floyd and you probably don't even know it. Or you really know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of in-between. You're like, what? I don't care about them. But then in the back of your head, they're like, yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, no, I fucking love Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I just got to say this. I remember walking into a house party one day. And, you know, just like I said, there's always rooms where somebody's inside listening to, like, awesome music. I stepped in the threshold for, like, th- three, four seconds and didn't recognize the song. And I was like, who is this? And you should have seen the stares I got. <laughs> like, it was insane. Like people were like, like I had five heads. I believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, what? <laughs> Who are you? Where are you from? Why are you even came? It's not this planet. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, no, I got a huge shout out before we even get into it. So Pink Floyd was my dad's favorite band. So I always grew up listening to them. And the first concert I ever actually went to was Roger Waters. That's awesome. When I was like 12. Did you enjoy it? I did, but it's funny because I think about it now. I don't think I appreciated it as much... <laughs> Like, if I went there now, I would appreciate it so much more. But I was 12. I knew most of the songs at the time, but I was kind of like, you know, ADD, just kind of like running around and shit. I wasn't really like trying to sit in my chair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Young Dan's like, who's this big-headed doofus? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, our seats weren't that good. I'm like, who is that? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But but no, it was a good time. So we got to talk about Pig Floyd. And it's really cool because... There's like, there's three versions of Pink Floyd, basically. Yeah. There's a lot of different variations in the history and the people and what the music sounds like and what the, who the leader is, Yeah, you know, all this shit. Yeah. But we got to bring it back to London. Yep. London town. Mm Mm-hmm. Where there were a couple architecture students. Yeah. Three of them. Yeah. By the names of Roger. Roger. Waters. (laughs) Waters. <laughs> Waters. <laughs> Nick. Mason. The Stone Mason, <laughs> as we refer to him now. And then Richard. Close. Wrong. Richard <laughs> Wrong. 
<laughs> no, clearly Richard Wright. Uh-huh. Because he knows how to play those keys right. <laughs> All right? You know it. And um, so they were architecture students, but they wanted to be in a band. Because who doesn't want to be in a band? Exactly. Who wants to draw? Yeah. Well, I do. But. Who wants to draw things that actually will become buildings and actual things in society in real life? That's right. I'd rather draw memorable album covers. I'd rather draw on the air with my instrument. Exactly. Right? I'd rather construct a song. Yes. I like that. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, let's construct some songs. So it's the <laughs> 60s. They're in London. You know, the British invasion was already happening. The Beatles mm-hmm. were the big thing. All the British groups were trying to be like American rock and roll and like blues people. Yeah. So they started out just playing like blues songs. Yes. Like pretty typical shit. Yeah. My mama done told me. <laughs> <laughs> and for all intents and purposes, um, when they were doing that, it didn't really go anywhere because mm-hmm. right? people didn't believe that they mama done told them anything yeah i don't even think they have moms exactly <laughs> they only have dads they were pods yeah they they're from labs they were born in labs <laughs> um so then their roger's friend from childhood mm-hmm. was this guy named sid barrett mm-hmm. who he had met at a saturday afternoon art class that sounds lovely. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like a place where you would go to meet a crazy bandmate. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so Sid, because they they were not from London, right? They were somewhere else, like Birmingham or some yes. shit? Yes, it's pretty much outside. I'm starting to think like this is just like a major city with like a little, like boroughs right outside of it in a way. London? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Tell us about London. We're a bunch do. of uncultured Americans. Uh-huh. Sorry. We're, we're very easily impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So Sig comes down to London. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, like, I like what you guys are doing with this whole music thing. Let me get in on this. Yes. And Sid was quite a character. Yes. Some would say he was quite mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was a bit crazy from the beginning. He was always kind of a quirky guy. Yeah, from the beginning. So we can actually blame Roger for all of this. It's all- <laughs> How about that, Raj? No, oh, man. <laughs> he would be enraged. I think he, at this point, he's just like, eh, it is what it is. <laughs> but so Sid comes down to hang out with his boy, Raj, mm-hmm. and the boys, Nick and Dick. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he, he's a quirky guy. Like they even said, like, even like the way he walked, he would just like always be just like. Yeah. Up, just like, you know, up, like, uplifting. And they were like, I don't know, like, something about the way that Roger said it. He was like, even he walked weird. Like, he just had, so, he had just a very different vibe about him. Yeah. It's like uh, David um, says, he was like, you know, he was beautiful to look at. He had a stride. He, he, he walked like this. He talked interesting. And then he paused and he was like, I don't want to make this sound like a love song. But that's what I was thinking when David was talking about him. I was like, yeah. damn, you love this guy. And it's funny because David Gilmore eventually replaces him. Yes, he does. But we'll get to that. Yes. Um, so Sid is just like. He's just a wild, quirky guy, mm-hmm. and he he brings them. He brings two. I don't know. Were they called Pink Floyd yet? Or he made the name, right? Yeah, he made the name. And then I want to say this too. Like they actually proposed the name called the Megadeths. Oh, really? Yeah. But then the universe was like, "Hold on, guys. We got to save that. We got to save that for later." <laughs> I heard they were originally going to be the Metallicas. <laughs> nope. No. Oh no. man, I must have got my stories mixed up. Sorry. <laughs> so so. Sid comes in and he's like, "We're gonna rename the band. It's now it's the Pink Floyd Sound." Right. 
because so, they got it from the two I two don't different remember. albums blues album somebody pink wait pink somebody and then someone somebody floyd. floyd yes yeah. and he put those together tell us who the original pink and floyd respectively were because we don't remember yeah by the way which one's pink um i don't know if there is one okay i'll have to i'll have to check the records okay but okay. now it's the pink floyd sound and sid barrett's like i'm doing my own shit mm-hmm. i'm not just doing this this r&b american stuff like i'm doing my whole quirky like weird shit yes and yes. <laughs> it you know i wish there was a nicer way to say it but that's he's like i'm i'm a weird fucking guy and i'm going for it yeah he he pulled out his uh mad hat yeah right it's, i mean mad hatter he's born over there in london too so maybe sid knew him but he pulls out the hat of all different types and it's like it's like he's like a wizard in a way he just wanted to throw everything up against the wall and try it out yeah you know as opposed to let's just make us make music you know let's make art right he was a very arty kind of guy i mean he kind of came in he was like we're gonna kind of like just ruin not ruin but like destroyed the idea of like the typical song mm-hmm. it's like yeah we'll do a riff and then we'll jam for 10 minutes and then we'll go back to the riff and that's a song mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. which is not something that people were really doing at the time right and then also just like his lyrics were just like you know very like mystical and like almost like full of wonder in a way yeah you know what i mean yeah and it was just a very different vibe than what was going on with other bands right so he very quickly became the leader of the band yeah yeah because it was new it was interesting people were pretty much just singing about either love or you you know, uh, the conditions, yeah, either love or hate, I was about to say love or war. And now this guy is like somewhere in between and just proposing a whole different style of theories um, and trains of thought, you know? So of course that's going to draw in a bigger crowd. More people are going to be interested and stuff like that. And then that's going to push you to the forefront of the band. Right. And it's really interesting because during this time they basically became like the, like the, the leading band of like the British, like underground, like art rock scene or whatever you want to call it. Which is cool. It's cool. I like, I'm a sucker for bands and music groups when they first start out. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, once I see you hit big, I almost hate you. Like, (laughs) how dare you be successful? You know what I mean? How dare you? I look at the album. I'm like, best album of all time. Like, sure. Like, whatever. Like, you know, (laughs) no, no, no. But I mean, it's great to see when people like unfold and really blossom and become huge successes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But it's even better for me when it's just like they're just so um, young and small. And it's like you can see that getting ready to pop. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. So I love that. I love the new beginnings of things. So that must have been awesome to kind of follow them around from um, pub to pub or -hmm. playing space to playing space and watch Pink Floyd grow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that must have been a really cool time. And they grew pretty quickly because they got signed. They got (laughs) signed to the same label that the Beatles were signed to. And they were recording in the same studio that the Beatles were recording in. Yeah. Which... Is a big deal. Yes. Like they were talking, the Beatles were the biggest band in the world. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, two years ago you were just playing cover songs and nobody gave a shit about you. Mm -hmm. And then now all of a sudden your goofy friend comes in and you're making this crazy music and you're getting signed to the the label that has the biggest band in the world and you're recording in the same room that they're fucking recording in or like the room next door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. So they're they're recording and they're you know Sid is making all of his super trippy songs, and he at this time starts to get into a little bit of drugs, a little bit of hallucinogens, just a little bit, which was really you know groundbreaking at the time because I don't know if you guys knew this, but you know London in the '60s they didn't they weren't into drugs. No. Nobody did drugs in the '60s. Never. But ever. he's like, I'm gonna do all the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be the first drug addict ever. Drug yeah. doer. So he was already, you know, a little off, mm-hmm. but then you add a bunch of acid to it. Yeah. It's not going to help your sanity. Yeah. I think I'm going to quote the Joker here where he says like, you know, with insanity, you know, it's like all you need is a, a little, little push, push. <laughs> off the deep end. Like, right. Yeah, so Sid was already kind of like walking that line mm-hmm. when they recorded their first album, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Yes. Which is... Super trippy album. Super (laughs) trippy. To this day. To this day. Yeah. But really interesting, though. Like, I I dug it. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's super interesting. Because also, like, you got to think, like, so, yeah, they were just, you know, in the pubs or whatever, like, you know, small venues. And then all of a sudden, they're signed. And they're in this studio, which is, like, the most sophisticated studio probably in the planet at the time. Mm-hmm. So there's all these like instruments and like things that they would never have had access to before that they get into the studio and they're just like kids in a fucking candy store. They're like, Ooh, let's try this. Ooh, let's try this. They're trying to all these just like different random sounds. And they're just like putting things onto a record that like uh, people wouldn't have thought to do. Right. 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 I mean, and it's so interesting about like psychedelic rock and progressive rock and stuff. It's like, um, you know, the drugs kind of do open up the gates for all of those weird sounds and things like that. But they're they not open up the gates of dawn. They do at the gates. They open the gates at the gates. Um, but it's just like it's just it's so terrible, like to be like sucked into the drug part of it, like and not be able to come out because psychedelic rock. I can see like how the let's just say like a pattern a psychedelic pattern right mm-hmm. it kind of like jumps out at you and all this stuff like that like psychedelic rock is like that too and prog rock is like that too little sounds here and there and stuff like that so what i've heard about like an acid trip because i've never done acid before and i've never done lsc but what i've heard about those trips is like that's how things jump out at you and then all of a sudden you know you're in a different realm or whatever so the music emulates the actual drug yes Let's say hypothetically I've done acid. <laughs> I would say that that's pretty accurate. Hypothetically, of course. Um, yeah, no, it is really true. It, it, it makes sense Like when you see like what psychedelic music is. If you've done any psychedelics, you're just like, oh, I get where this kind of comes from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And again, so at this point, Sid is the undisputed leader. Mm-hmm. And he's writing all the songs. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of becoming like the star of the band as well. Because right. he was... In, by all accounts, you know, he was goofy, but he was a very charismatic guy. Yeah. Like, people wanted to be around him. People wanted to be his friend. Mm-hmm. But now you you kind of have a double-edged sword coming up because now they're starting to get, like, famous. Yes. And, like, you know, that is not good for mental health in general. No. But now not only are you getting famous, but you're just doing ridiculous amounts of acid. Mm-hmm. And you're really just frying your brain. Yeah. To the point that your reality is just becoming completely distorted. Yeah. 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 The coping mechanism for the fame is for a lot of people is the drugs like you know what i mean because one you're the big bad rock star right and you're on stage so you have to be um like unabated like you have to act as if nothing bothers you nothing can touch you or whatever but at the same time it's just like like 
for like you said, like for mental health, so many people coming up to you and talking to you, mm-hmm. like it's it's more now than just a good party one week, one one day, two days a week. Right, you got to always be on. Now, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that is a lot to deal with, and um, I'm just gonna throw this out there too because I know like there's like a stiff upper lip kind of British thing, so vulnerability and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I think I'm losing my mind. I don't think I can take this. I don't know how far like that's probably not going to come into conversation. Push it down. You know what I mean? Push it down. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> right? As as that's the British way. That's right. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that it's a really interesting thing because this kind of a plants a seed for what becomes a bigger deal with them later is that they're kind of not, they don't really want to, they don't like the fame really. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they want to be playing their music, but they don't really necessarily want to be known. Mm -hmm. So they start, you know, they have like these light shows and they have all these other things going on at the show to kind of take the spotlight away from them. Right. Right. Like they don't want people to be looking at them playing the music. They just want to like, you go to the show and it's like a whole, you know, experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is really cool. We'll bring up that later. Very cool. That kind of continues with them. Yeah. Even after Sid's gone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But so, yeah. So now they're, they're huge, but they're not really comfortable with it or they're getting really big. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're, well, they're definitely not as huge as they became. Right. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're not about to hit tours and stuff yet, but yeah. Notoriety is good. And England is not that big. That's so. true. That is very true. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, they're becoming a really big band. Sid is the undisputed leader. Mm-hmm. Undis- like, he writes all the songs, basically. He mm-hmm. gives them their whole... Again, he gave them the spark that led to their success. They existed before Sid, right. and they were going nowhere. Right. And then Sid came in with some completely different shit, mm-hmm. and then now things are happening for them. Yeah. So yeah. it really, you know... Sid became like the trampoline for them to get them moving and bouncing. Mm-hmm. You know he was what I the mean? Bond Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Sid Barrett, Bond Scott, if he stayed in England. Yeah. <laughs> or if he moved to England from Scotland. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. UK all day. UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. So, okay. So they put out Piper at the Gates of Dawn. It does very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, as they get more and more successful, Sid's mental health becomes less and less successful. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, Starts to decline seriously. He's just real, like, apparently it it was like a pretty fast decline, too. Yeah, and they said they were doing things like, like this. Hey, Dan, what are you doing Tuesday night? Uh, I don't know. What's up? Okay, well, I'm just going to go hang out at 317 East Houston. I'm just going to grab a coffee from around there and then stay there for like three or four hours, but that's it. And I'm going to come back home. You're not going to play any music at no. the venue? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm just going to get a coffee and I'm coming right back home. That's it. So oh. if anybody sees, tells you that they saw me there, I was just there for coffee. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, if that's what you want to do, I guess. Yay. You don't want to play shows? Oh. Side after dark. See uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> so 317 House of Street is a venue that we play at where we actually met at yeah for y'all little little side after dark trivia there uh-huh. um, so yeah so Sid is just kind of declining mm-hmm. and then his old friend comes to like hang out with the band this guitarist named David Gilmore yes 
And he knew Sid from back in the day. And he said immediately when he went to London, he saw Sid and like the look in his eyes. He was like, what's going on with Sid? Oh, wow. You know what I mean? He immediately was like, this is not like the kid that I knew growing up. Not at all. And we just want to say that when David Gilmore walked into that room and saw Sid, he didn't know it. But they were like angels singing in the background as he like walked Uh, in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's that's the true story. (laughs) Straight from the angel's mouth to my ears. <laughs> um, so so now their friend David was there, and he was like, "Whoa, something's off with Sid." But he was like, "I don't know if I just like caught him on a weird day, or like I didn't know how big of a deal it was." Yeah. But it ended up being kind of a big deal because it just got to the point where Sid's health, mental health, just declined so far that he couldn't he couldn't be in a band anymore. No. My favorite story from this era was this is kind of funny but kind of fucked up. So he would he had this song. Or he went into a rehearsal once. He was like, hey, guys, I got a new song for you. It's called Have You Got It Yet? <laughs> and they're like, okay, how's it go? And he's like, it goes like this. Do, 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 do. And they're like, oh, it's like, do, 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 do. He's like, no, no, no. It's like, do, 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 do. And they're like, oh, okay. So it's like, do, 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 do. He's like, no, 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 no. It's like this. Do, 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 do. And they're just kind of looking at him like, huh? And he's like... Have you got it yet? <laughs> oh, Sid, you cad. And the thing is, that's actually hilarious <laughs> as just like a little prank. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't a prank. <laughs> like he was being dead serious. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're a, a band and that's your job is to make music. And at yeah. this point, like the record label is like, yo, we need another single. We need more music, blah, 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 blah. And your leader is coming in doing shit like that. You're like, what are we doing? No, no. <laughs> like, nothing no. is getting done. Like, exactly. Those are those time is money situations where it's like, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so. and I can only imagine the rest of the band was just kind of like, bro, are you serious? Yeah, they had to be upset at that. Like, even if, even though it's funny, it's like, no. Because it's like, you're signed now. So it's like, when once you're in the studio, it's like, the clock is on. It's yeah. like, you can't even really hang out. You know, they haven't gotten to the level where they can just walk into the studio and like shit around. Like, right. They're know? still proving themselves. Mm-hmm. So now Sid is just fully off his fucking rocker. Absolutely. And they kind of brought David back to just kind of like fill in, just kind of like they didn't necessarily bring him in to replace it. Right. Because in their heads, they're like, this this is the guy that writes all of our songs. He's the guy that's brought us here. They don't want to get rid of Sid. Yeah. That's the last thing they ever want to do. Yeah. And then I also, also too, like this is like before the whole like counseling therapy boom. You know what I'm saying? This is when people shook you and slapped you in the face and told you to like you know push get it, it down <laughs> get it you don't have emotions they don't exist they're not real but <laughs> so so now for for a brief period there's five members in pink floyd yeah and basically what david realized is like he was just there to basically try to play sid's guitar parts because he was just going fucking wild yeah and at one point, they were going to a gig and they just didn't pick up Sid. Yeah. They just were like... <laughs> it's fucked up. Sorry. It is fucked up, but it's like... I guess, you know, I think about it now, it probably has something to do with that as like the, the, like the pushing it down and like... They weren't necessarily... I mean, they were his... He was obviously their friend, but mm-hmm. they I don't think they were seeing it like, oh, he clearly needs like a lot of help. Yeah, no. I think they were kind of seeing him as a burden at that point. As a burden at that point, because um, also, too, like I can totally I could see this train of thinking and stuff like that, like where it's like 
how could you be so quote unquote weak to let a drug really take over your mind like that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you can't get control of it, you know? So I think that's, I'm almost positive, a hundred percent positive that that's where their train of thinking is coming from, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's just a sad thing Mm -hmm. all around. But, um, so they, you know, they're still signed. They still got to put that music out. Mm-hmm. So then they have a second album called Saucer Full of Secrets, mm-hmm. which was partly songs that were already recorded with Sid. Yeah. So this is the last album with that Sid appears on. Yeah. And yeah. fun fact, there's a song on there, Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun, that there's a few guitar tracks on there from Sid, and there's some guitar tracks on there from David. Yeah. So that's technically the only song that all five members were ever on. Were ever on. Yeah. That's you know? interesting. And, and that's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say they don't make bad songs, but, you know. They, they've, they've experimented. Yeah. They've made some interesting ones. Not, they're not all hits, you know. They're not yeah. all bangers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, it got to a point where it's like Sid just couldn't. He was just not in a mental space to be a productive member of anything, really. Yeah. They would be on stage and he would just be standing on stage staring into the crowd. You yeah. know, And you can't do that when you're lead vocals. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't do that if you play any, if you do anything, like, unless you're like, I don't know, just back up and they just send you there to be weird. Security. But again, like, this is their, not, it's one thing to lose a lead singer. It's another thing to lose your lead songwriter. Right. Because the song is the currency of music. Like, yes. if you don't have somebody to write a song, you don't have anything. It doesn't right. matter how good you can play. It's like, right. there needs to be that spark. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they, they... That that had to be like really scary for them too, you know, because it's like one thing to like not pick up Sid, but it's another thing to like, okay, like, well, what are we going to do now mm-hmm. without Sid? Because he clearly can't do this. He clearly can't do it. And it's really something like the downfall of Sid is really something that kind of haunted the band through the rest of their career. He was yeah. kind of like the ghost, like ab- hovering above them. Because it's like, it's not like it just, he just couldn't play music anymore. Like he literally his life was done. Mm-hmm. Like he literally after that, like he basically went to like more or less an asylum. Mm-hmm. And that was basically the whole rest of his life until he died in like 2006. Mm-hmm. Like he never really did shit again. Mm-hmm. I think he had like a solo album or two of stuff that was already recorded. I think so. But he was never, you know, back a, in a, yeah. a sane quote unquote person ever again. Which is, in, which is, uh, I don't even know how the mind works like that. That's crazy. But, um, it's a shame. It's a shame that that happened to him. And because it's like, it's worse than a death. It's, wow, it's really interesting you said that because I just saw something with Roger, a um, recent interview with him, where, so Sid died in 2006 and they were asking Roger about it. And he was like, I felt like I did all my grieving 30 years ago because he basically died, mm-hmm. but he was still around. Mm-hmm. He was just a shell of himself. Right. You know? And that's just, that's obviously something that's going to take a toll on you as, you know, as your band, that's your friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not something you just like forget about. Right. But now you get to a point where there's still four members, mm-hmm. but it's not Sid anymore. Mm-mm. Now David is kind of taking over the Sid spot. He's singing, he's playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of um, more or less lost for a direction. Because again, your lead guy is gone. He's gone. And you're dealing with the memory of him. You know you still have talent and you know you still you you want to put the music out there and you still love what your band leader left you with. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you pick up the pieces? How do you go? Thank goodness for them being friends. Right. Yeah. And kind of like understanding each other in each other's like 
thought process, artistic, um, creative space. And I think that's what helped them pick up the pieces and, and make a new, a new Pink Floyd, a new order. <laughs> yeah. And it's just really interesting how it went because so now that now that Sid's gone, they still have a record contract, but everybody around them is just like, oh, Pink Floyd's done. Mm-hmm. Sid Barrett was Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are they going to do now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're like, well, it's a double-edged sword with what you were saying about what Sid left behind mm-hmm. because part of them is probably like, oh, well, we need to keep doing this. Right. But they can't do that because they're not Sid. Right. They can't really do it like that. So they have like kind of a blueprint, but they're like, no, we need to we need to figure out what works for us now because mm-hmm. we're a different group of people. Right. So then now they go through uh, like a couple albums really where they're really just trying to like find who they are now. Yeah. And it's really interesting because that would never happen now. Like as far as being signed? Oh yeah, no, no, no. The record label would not give you the opportunity to do that. No, 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 no. They would have had like you know they would be like guys, you gotta put on some short shorts. You gotta do something. We gotta sell these. You records. gotta go to the gym more. <laughs> you gotta wear less clothes. <laughs> but so now they're they're just kind of like trying to figure out what works. So then they put out a few albums: uh, Uma Guma, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Hart Mother, mm-hmm. and they're just throwing shit at the wall. Basically, yeah. I mean, they're trying everything. They're yeah. trying. You know, they're taking influence from like other stuff that's going on in music. As far as like people are like doing crazy things with their pianos to make them sound weird and yeah. they're just throwing all kinds of sound effects in. One of my favorite stories, at one point, Roger was like, guys, guys, I got a great idea. What if we did a whole album? We didn't use any instruments. All the sound is just from household items. <laughs> That's awesome, Roger. You know what I mean? Like you get a, you get a can of coffee and you just... <laughs> and that's the beat of the song <laughs> like they're really just throwing everything out there just to see what works and fucking nick is like roger you're what are you talking about <laughs> like, no we're not doing that dude nick is like i quit <laughs> <laughs> not yet no <Not> yet. <laughs> so the only ones that quit died or left the band died Whoa. You're not allowed to leave Pink Floyd, baby. Yeah, Pink Floyd never leaves you. <laughs> but now now David is there. And by the way, shout out. This is kind of random. I always thought David was just a gorgeous man. Me too. I just thought, thought he was a really good looking guy. Even when I was a kid, I was like, he, he, looks, he looks like a good guy. <laughs> he's really handsome. But then he's got this kind of like, not fuck off energy, but like don't ever say that to me to my face (laughs) right like he doesn't want to hear that shit if you're not complimenting his guitar style then he doesn't want to hear it he don't want to hear it (laughs) but i do want to talk about his guitar style a little bit because i love his guitar style absolutely i mean it's a huge influence on me and my guitar playing whatever guitar playing i know how to do and because he you know a lot of people try to like play notes really fast and just like be very technical with their shit and he just went the complete opposite way. Yeah. He's like, I just want to play with as much feel and emotion as possible. And boy, does he ever. Mm-hmm. Like, he he is himself. Like, in that guitar, that's him. Like, it's like, oh, it's so soulful, too. You know what I mean? And very deep, um, intense, like, touches of his strings and the chords that he plays and stuff. Like, I just... And it's like, it's, it's like you connect to it right away. Like, all of his yeah. solos and stuff. Like, it's just very, very nice. He knows exactly where to hit you. Because he's that type of person, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, looks like a very vulnerable, deep-thinking person that doesn't want to talk about... Doesn't like small talk. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a very like thoughtful person. Yeah. You can just tell yeah, you can tell by the way he plays guitar that he's a very like emotional, thoughtful person. Yeah. Cause yeah, the way that he plays is just like it's all about like the space in between the notes and like letting each there's no note that he's playing that's extra. Yeah. Like every single note that he plays has a purpose of what it's gonna make you feel like. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. know? And that's a beautiful thing that to this day I feel like when people are talking about playing guitar with feel like David Gilmore a lot of the time is who they compare it to because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's other guitar players that shred and they do other like kind of techniques but as far as just like the fewer notes more emotion yeah like I always at least in my head I always associate that with him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know why not why not why not mm-hmm. what are you gonna do about it <laughs> all right <laughs> okay so okay where are we at we're so they're so uh, David's there, and they're picking up the pieces, and they're going through the albums. They're throwing all that stuff against the wall, and Roger's coming up with some interesting uh, album uh, ideas. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, we want to float pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. At one point, they brought in like a whole like orchestra with like a brass section. Like Adam Hart Mother, they called. They, uh, I think Roger was like, we were trying to score an epic movie that didn't exist, <laughs> which is pretty cool. That is cool. And, you know, we talk about the, it's really funny because we talk about these like middle period albums, like they're not great. The music is still very good. Mm-hmm. It's just overshadowed by their later albums. Yes. And it's like if they didn't make the later albums that were huge and they just kept staying in that vein, they still would have been a successful band. I think so. I like Umagama. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that. I like Adam Hart Mother. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they wouldn't have been as big as they became, right. but they still would have been able to make a living off their music, I think. Yeah. It's still good music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this is um something that I, um we were talking about earlier, how they kind of like didn't want them to be the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And that showed itself not only in the stage shows, how they, you know, as time goes on, they just made the stage shows crazier and crazier and crazier. Yeah. Crazier lights, crazier sounds, crazier projections, all this stuff. And then even their album covers, like they were like, we don't want us to be on the album cover. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that idea. Like I've like always felt like I I had talent and like these are the things that I like do pretty well in and stuff like that. But I've never enjoyed really like the huge, huge notoriety of it. Mm -hmm. You know, nowadays things are different. Like I have you have to put yourself out there. You have to get your face seen and stuff. But like I always admired artists like Pink Floyd and like Bjork, people who you didn't really know what they look like because of their album art or Mm -hmm. people that you saw in Best Buy and there wasn't a mob of people running (laughs) after. After them they were just able to just go do their thing and like these guys are totally those guys right right yeah. and it's it's really cool because you know you think about it now i mean nowadays i could just google image search david gilmore and be like oh wow look how handsome he is but, <laughs> but back in the day if you if all you know is the music yeah. you go and you buy an album cover and you just see like their next album, Metal, is just like a in like a zoom in of like a pig's ear, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> you know what I mean? You're listening to the music, you're like, "This is great!" Like, but where did this come from? Like, who are these people? Right? Like, it would really make you curious. Not only would it make you a little curious about who the band is, but it makes you focus more on the music. Yeah, because you're not. It's not like you know Van Halen. You're just like, "Oh, I can totally see you know David Lee Roth doing crazy shit and Eddie Van Halen, you know, tearing up the guitar." It's not about the individuals. Right. Right. It's about the music. Yeah. At least it wasn't about the individuals yet. Yet. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> I'm call him RW. <laughs> <laughs> so then so then after Adam Hartmother they do metal, mm-hmm. which is like 
They're really they're starting to figure it out now. Yeah. You can really tell when you listen to that album. They're like, they're really getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it has a, one of my favorite songs on it, Echoes. Yeah. Like a 20 minute, it's like a whole side of an album. It's yeah. like there, there's so many different parts and sections to it, and they all sound great. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you must have. And it was the end of the album, right? So I'm like, I'm just trying to put myself in that time. It's like 1971. You listen to this album and it finishes on Echoes, this epic song that's like all these different parts like all go into each other. And that's how the album ends. You must have felt like, oh, they're they're doing some big stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's crazy. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, when you look at an artist's discography, especially like an artist that had such a vast one like Pink Floyd they put their blood, sweat, and tears into every single album. And still, you can find an album and be like, they're not there yet. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the time, at that moment, you're like, you know, they're progressing. So you're like, this is so great. Like, you know... Can it get better? Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course it can and stuff, but it's just I so, so. interesting because like you put everything into that album and you feel like you, you really, but I guess it's just for that time. Mm-hmm. You did go over the moon and you did do really, really, really great. It's just like later on you look back and you're just like, man, we were just children in the music world here. Right. It's crazy. But it's really interesting how it works because all of those things that we were talking about, how Sid left and then they kind of were left on their own and they had to figure it out and they're experimenting with all these different things. It all basically culminates mm-hmm. in their album, After Metal. I don't remember what it's called. Dark Side of the Sun? I think Is so. Is there a Dark Side of the Sun? I think. I think. Were they there? No. Oh, wait. Oh, Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, yeah. My bad. My Man. bad, everyone. Oh, totally. Totally forgot about that one. And this is like, I mean, this is... Like, I don't even know. I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast just on this album. Yeah, because <laughs> it's so epic. It's just really is. And it's not even long. It's like 40 minutes, something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, this album is like, I've, I've said this before. Like, I put this album up there with like the greatest pieces of art that humans have ever created. Like, up, not just music, like whatever, fucking the Sistine Chapel, the Sphinx, like whatever the hell you want to say, like... That you gotta like that's up there. Like as yeah. long as humans exist and you can listen to music, that album is never gonna die. Never ever ever gonna die. And it's like it's the album along with the artwork because I can't even tell you which I heard or saw first. Mm. And I'm talking like before I was even like ten years old because like that album artwork is epic. Like you know what I'm saying. And it's I hate to use this word because everybody does. It's iconic. It really is. If anything's iconic, it's that. <laughs> Honestly. You I know? mean, that's the kind of shit that you see fucking hipsters walking around Williamsburg wearing that shit. You're like, they don't even, they might not necessarily even know what it is. Yeah. But everybody knows what that looks like. Everybody does. It's just so amazing. And like, you know, to be able to do that, you know, and to be able to register in people's like ears and stuff like that when they don't even really know who you are mm-hmm. or anything like that. That's just insane. You know, um, I say the same thing about the Beatles. I'm not a Beatles fan, but I guarantee I heard Beatles music in the womb. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's just crazy. But yeah, Pink Floyd, they go and they do Dark Side of the Moon and like everything falls off the planet. (laughs) They shook everything off the planet with that. one. (laughs) They fell all the way off of Earth to the moon. But I don't think they made it all the way to the dark side. It was kind of far. They ran out of water. Um, But no, the thing about this album that makes it so good and so timeless is that it's just about like the human experience Mm -hmm. or the human condition, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like it's about 
war, insanity, money, mm-hmm. greed, like all these death, you know, things that as long as humans exist, humans are going to be dealing with this shit. Yeah. So that's the reason why it's never, it, it really is timeless. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like the, the actual production value of it is so amazing. I still can't believe. So this is, we're recording this in 2022. That album came out in 1973. So next year that album's 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And it sounds just as good as anything that's made now. It really does. It really does. It's definitely one of my l- rooftop listens, um, various songs from that album, just jumping in and out and just listening to the words. It's, it's not even just the music. It's the words that they decided to pick and and choose. You know, it's, it's totally insane. Like, I love, um, what what does David say? Like, the dream is gone. The man is grown. Like, it's like, um, like uh, I forgot what he says. Well, that was, that's Uncomfortably Numb, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a different album. But I'm just like um, bringing out like just like stuff that he says and things that they do say. Like, mm. it's just like, I don't know. It's their word choice. And it's also their musicality that just makes them great. Yeah. but so. And just like the whole, I mean, Obviously, there were concept albums before. There was like songs that would like go into other songs, but this is basically one big piece of music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like the the only reason there was a pause in it is because back in the day, you literally had to flip the album over. Mm-hmm. If they made it today, there wouldn't have been any pauses. No, one hundred percent, they would have gone all the way through. But literally, every song just goes perfectly into every other song, and it really is just a whole experience. Like it's so hard to just listen to one song from that album. Yeah, you know what I mean. You it just is. want to hear the whole thing through. Yeah, they flow right into it. I love like I mean, I I don't know any album before that that came with like mad laughter you know, mm. and stuff like that. And then that like, have a person actually sound like maddening like that. And we got to shout out all the, um, the background vocals. Like, yeah. on, I mean, oh my gosh, I keep forgetting that lady's name. The, Claire Tory. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think she took that to a whole nother level. Cause she's always in the forefront, even though, and the voices get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> they get bigger and bigger and bigger, but you always seem to hear kind of her like as the leader of the choir. Mm-hmm. And this is another um, style of um, that type of singing that I like, where it's kind of like flat and tonal and you're kind of singing like wide as opposed to like out too much. Like her oohs and her ahs kind of go wide across if I'm making shapes for sounds. Yeah. You know, and I just think like that in itself, it's not... It's the whole thing like that that makes that that album so great. It's not just the players and it's not just the music. It's not the progression in the sounds and stuff like that. It's not just the background vocals. It's not just the artwork. It's like every single part of that album. Exactly. Every single part of it is just on point. That's why it's one of the greatest pieces of art ever made. And it's I think it has the record for like longest time on the charts. I think it was on the charts for like 20 fucking years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure by the time it fell off the charts, like, Kurt Cobain was already dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I think so. Like, I think that's so. That's insane. That is. That's insane. Um, but, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about it. It's just so amazing. Like, I, I'm going to assume that everybody watching this has already heard it. I hope so. <laughs> but if you haven't, go listen to it right after this. Yeah. But finish. make sure to finish the podcast first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they put money out as the the single for that song, which of course they had to. Boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, let's talk about that, like the cadence, because I think around when we first met each other, we were talking about the cadence in that song, and I was like, if I didn't speak English, 
I would never understand what he was saying in that song <laughs> because it's the way he chops up his words. And yeah. you expect, like, if you're learning a new language, you expect the words to sound a certain way. Mm. So if I broke up the word on a on a on music bar and stuff like that, like, you couldn't understand it. Like, if I said I'm in a high fidelity, like, you know, instead of fidelity, like, right. if, if I know that word in English, but I don't know fidelity, right. like, I would, I, would, I would be like, what did he say? Yeah, yeah. But that's the beauty of that song, too, and a lot of the other things that are on the album. And it's a beauty of, well, part of that, I think, has to do with that the song is in 7-8 time, mm -hmm. as opposed to most music is in 4-4. Four, four. And so that, you have to kind of change your, the rhythm a little bit. Mm -hmm. And fun fact, the guitar solo in that is in 4-4, four, four because David Gilmore was like, I can't play a guitar solo in 7-8. <laughs> so I imagine he probably had to change the way that he sang it a little bit because yeah. of that too. Yeah, because the only other way I could see him approaching it is kind of like jumping over the notes, like I'm, I'm in a high fidelity, like, yeah. like that, and that's corny. Yeah. For that track, it's corny. But it's cool for like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, the this album is kind of like the culmination of them uh, creating together. Mm -hmm. Because they all four members of the band were really involved with the final sound of the album. Right. Which is not the case moving forward, necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> because And then also, this is really the first album where Roger Waters became like, okay, I'm the lyricist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were saying that, like, a lot of the time during this era, they would work on the music, and then Roger would be like, okay, I'll come back uh, tomorrow with lyrics, or whatever. So it clearly became, like, this was the start of Roger being, like, the leader. Yeah. Which was good for a while, but, you know, it ended up having some problems later on. Just a little bit. But this that became um, basically the start of what I like to call Pink Floyd classic. Mm -hmm. The classic period of, yeah. pink, of the Pink Floyd sound, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And obviously, this album just brought them to a whole other stratosphere of success. Yeah. They were already around. They already were signed. They were already making music. But they put that out, and it's like, you're the biggest band in the world. Exactly. I think the terminology is they put their foot in that album. They put their whole, they put their whole leg. They went all the way up to the knee in that album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's hilarious. So they're huge, big, bad rock stars on the planet. Roger's becoming sort of an invisible bully along the way. <laughs> what do you mean by invisible? <laughs> you got to throw the rock and hide your hand sometimes. You got to say, who, me? I don't think he was trying to hide, though. No, I think he was really <laughs> up in people's face. He was throwing rocks and saying, what's up? <laughs> Intimidating people. <laughs> But to the fans, he was not. Well, because again, they're still, they don't even like to have their faces around. No. Like, it's not about them necessarily. It's more about the music. Even right. though Roger kind of, you know, he lets the success kind of get to his head a little bit. But, you know, we're getting to that. But again, <laughs> you know, the, the stage shows are just getting crazy and crazy. The focus isn't really on them so right. much. Right. And they continue doing that. So then the next yeah. album they're working on, the this is crazy. Wish You Were Here yeah. is like... I guess I'll just tell the story real quick. Go for it. The Sid story? Yeah. Yeah. So they're working on this album after they, they've they got all the success and they're, try, they're starting to see like the bullshit of like the industry. We should and play Wish You Were Here in the background while you're telling this story. When I you wish. edit it. I, I don't want to get copyrighted. No, no, you won't. <laughs> do, 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 do. Copyrighted. <laughs> you play the Muzak version yeah. of it. Do, do, do. I thought I warned you. Roger's going to come knocking at my door. <laughs> He's in New York. 
Didn't somebody take a picture of him on the train just reading a magazine? Recently? Yes. It was like celebrities on the train. It wasn't, it's pre-COVID, but the picture showed up the year of COVID. And it was so many different people. And he's like, got his legs crossed. He's reading the paper. And they're like, Roger Waters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could do that. Nobody's going to talk to him on the train. Hell, because he's going to bully them. Just oh, like yeah. he's coming he, to your door in a second. So it's funny, the, the contrast between David and Roger, like David seems like a really sweet guy who might like have to put on like a bit of a tough exterior to guard himself. Yeah. Where Roger is just like, he's he's not fucking around with anyone. He doesn't give a shit about your feelings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just see him running towards me. Like and he's 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 the biggest dude in the band too. He's like a tall motherfucker. Yeah. So he must be kind of an intimidating presence. Yeah. Like you know, you're like playing it like, you're like just play the bass. Yeah, I, I won't talk shit. I swear. <laughs> but so now he's kind of taken over as the leader of the band. Yep. They're back in the studio. They're writing. He's writing songs about, you know, the record label being bullshit. You know, the, the main story there is, you know, they're blowing up like the record label guys like, oh, yeah, you great. I, I love you guys for forever. Uh, by the way, which one is pink? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, okay. We see what's happening here. Exactly. None of us are fucking pink, dude. You don't know who we are. <laughs> I get it. So they're they're now disillusioned with you know success a little bit. Mm-hmm. And again, they still have the ghost of Sid hovering over them the whole time. Right. Like the possible insanity of this, really this, the life that they live, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. So they're, they're writing this album almost as a tribute to him mm-hmm. now that they've achieved this amazing success that they wouldn't have achieved without him. Absolutely He not. started the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think they were probably a little guilty about how things ended with him, mm-hmm. honestly, because they just kind of dumped him. Yeah. But he clearly needed a lot of help. He, uh, mm, yeah. But he's British, so he understood. <laughs> I don't even know if he understood English at that time. Exactly. So they basically, this album... They're making it as a tribute to their fallen leader. <laughs> so they're writing like one of their most famous songs, Shine On You Crazy Diamonds, about him. Uh-huh. They're writing a song, Wish You Were Here. It's about him. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's crazy about this is they're recording this album as the tribute to Sid. And this is some weird cosmic shit. We were talking about this earlier. Like, the universe has made this happen. Yes. While they're in the studio working on these songs, kind of commemorating their fallen friend, if you will, which is weird because, you know, again, he's not dead. Right. But he's, for all intents and purposes, he's dead to the band. Right. You know what I mean? You're dead to us, Sid. You're dead. So they're working on these songs, and all of a sudden this dude comes in the studio, this, like, fat dude, he's fucking shaved head. He just, I don't even know how he got in the studio, but he got in there. He did. And they were kind of just like looking at him, this guy, like, who the fuck is this? He's magical. He walked through the wall. That's how he got there. Yeah, he levitated <laughs> all the way to the studio. <laughs> and then at some point, they're just kind of looking at him. They're like, oh my God, that's Sid. They didn't even recognize him. They did not recognize him. He was checking out the guitars. He was looking at the studio stuff, which is like, I mean, he's still drawn to the music, but just can't do anything with it. And they didn't, they had a picture of him too. And now that picture, just like in their memory, it's ingrained in my memory too, which is like insane. Yeah. It's just crazy that like he would happen to show up when they're writing about him basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had an effect on the band. Yeah. I mean, that was quite an emotional experience for them. It was. Uh, David and Roger said they cried. They literally cried. And I would, too, because I, I feel sad now talking about it. So imagine if you actually knew him and you watched him regress. 
you know, and then you, you, because you have to actually come to terms with yourself and admit that that can happen to somebody Mm -hmm. like, you know, and what, I mean, I, I'm, of course there's differences between you and other people, but, but in a way, like why him, like why, you know, how in a way it's like, there's so many unanswered things in your mind because he seemed of sound mind and you do too. And then all of a sudden something like that happens to him. And that's just insane. Yeah. So again, he's really this, the ghost following them around this time, actually physically in person. But the idea of him was always kind of around them. Yeah. And kind of probably added to a little bit of the, like the paranoia of like the lyrics. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true too. And some of Roger's just like general bitterness i would say roger you bitter bitter man roger you're a bitter man (laughs) yeah (laughs) so they put out that album Mm -hmm. obviously it does really well (laughs) they're doing bigger and bigger shows they're having a bigger bigger you know stage production all this that zeppelin no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no it is funny because i mean they were like you know zeppelin like at the time it's like for hard rock, Zeppelin was number one. Yeah. And progressive rock, Pink Floyd was number one. Yeah. And there were other successful hard rock and progressive rock bands. Who? No, I'm just kidding. Never heard of them. <laughs> but they, for all intents and purposes, like, they were the absolute cream in the crop. Yeah. Like, they were the most successful commercially. And, like, I mean, not to talk shit about any other bands, but I think their stuff holds up more than, like, people talk about Pink Floyd now a lot more than they talk about Yes. Yeah, they no definitely do. No offense to any Yes fans, but we all know it's true. Yeah, they yeah they definitely talk about them more. I mean, um, ugh, Genesis broke up, but they definitely talk about Pink Floyd more than they do about Genesis. Um, Genesis should have had a logo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off topic. That's here. where you <laughs> fucked up, De- Peter. <laughs> All right, do better next time. <laughs> All right, so they put out the album. Success keeps coming, keeps coming. Got to work on another album. Uh-huh. And again, they're dealing at this point with the level that they're operating on. They're so, they have to deal with all this corporate bullshit. Because, you know, everyone starts out, you know, playing, when they started out just playing cover songs, they were just, you know, probably in like a garage or whatever, playing little clubs. It wasn't a lot of money. It wasn't a big business. Yeah. But now there's just so much money involved with mm-hmm. this that they have to deal with all this business shit. They have to deal with the records. They mm-hmm. have to deal with taxes. They have to deal with all this stupid shit. Yep. Bring in the suits. So Roger, being the um, the biting social critic that he is, mm-hmm. he gets working on this concept for an album called Animals. Yeah. Loosely based on the book Animal Farm by mm-hmm. George or- Orwell, mm-hmm. but not really like as far as what happens in the album, just the idea of like the the humanized animals or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. So this album is all just completely like trying to like destroy the idea of capitalism, really. Yeah. And he basically divides humans into three categories right <laughs> so we got the pigs yep they're the fat cats <laughs> they're all these people that which one is pig they're they're that's <laughs> that who they are yeah they're just the ones that are running the show behind the scenes they people don't really know who they are right but they got the money and they're pulling the strings yeah and they're sitting in their their pig pens eating it up getting all that money getting nice and fat they got the power they got the power first you get the money then you get the power then you get their women <laughs> or the, the female pigs. <laughs> All right. So you got the pigs. Uh-huh. Then you got the dogs. Uh-huh. 
who basically are the ones that do the work of the pigs. Yes. Like they're the ones on the front lines. They're the fucking really aggressive ones. They're yeah. the, you know, they're the stockbrokers. Yeah. They're the mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are just like really power hungry. Yeah. They want to be pigs. They want to be pigs. Right. But they're not there yet. They're the foot soldiers. Not yet. Yeah. So that's your, your, your manager, your guy that's coming around that's actually watching the show, mm-hmm. wants to possibly sign you. Mm-hmm. That guy. And then who do we have last? The sheep. What do they do? They bat all around. <laughs> they just bat. Looking cute and white and cottony and curly. <laughs> <laughs> they just follow the crowd. <laughs> they just do whatever they have to do to live a comfortable life. Mm-hmm. And they're just being controlled by the pigs and the dogs. Being controlled. But the sheep are the hottest song on that album. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> to me, yeah. Well, at the end, the sheep rise up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to spoil the album. but That's uh, right. They rise up. They shave that cotton off and they make shirts. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No more lamb. <laughs> <laughs> no more wool shirts only pigskin <laughs> so we're out of control yeah hey hey are we the music maniacs or what <laughs> so so they put out that album again huge success they're just still big they're huge they're the biggest band in the world there more things are happening as far as like their stage setup i mean they're literally their album cover they got a giant inflatable pig over a fucking main power station in britain yeah it's like a huge production now yeah yeah they got flying pigs at their shows exactly and they actually floated that pig up in real life which is even more hilarious yeah and it got lost (laughs) like they had to bring in like the royal air force or some shit where'd it go i think like it got untethered and it started like flying around and like some like like it started like fucking with air traffic I'm pretty sure that's real. I, I don't know if I'm, somebody just said that. I thought it was real, but I'm pretty sure that's real. It'll be great bonus content. You could just tell a story about that, how the pig came back with stamps from different countries on it. Yeah, it came back with a full passport. <laughs> exactly. He had a sombrero on. <laughs> with an, <laughs> and a margarita in hand or a paw or what do pigs have? Hooves. Hooves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hooves. Margarita and hoof. He's like, what? <laughs> Anyway, okay, we're out of control. Let's- <laughs> so they're, they're getting bigger and bigger still. And Roger is still very disillusioned with the whole fame thing. Yeah. And Ugh. again, they're still, they're not putting themselves out there like that. They don't really want, they want it to be about the music. They're not focused on themselves. They're still not, they're not putting their faces on the album. Yeah. You know, none of that stuff. Like no. Roger is still just like, he's appreciative of the people that want to see them, uh-huh. you know, but he's fucking annoyed with him too yes roger says i see myself getting more and more bitter that's a quote yeah and what what do what what else do bitter people do but spit on your own fans at shows (laughs) (laughs) do literally spit on a guy at the show i don't know what the guy was saying to him hey roger you play bass like a fucking loser (laughs) so he straight up spits on the dude at the show and then, like, after the show, he's like, I can't believe I just fucking did that. <laughs> like, and he's kind of, like, disgusted with himself almost. Well. <laughs> and he, he kind of, because of that, he kind of starts to form the idea of a new concept album. Mm-hmm. And that leads to their next album, The Wall. Yes. I don't know why he didn't just spit on himself and just call it a day, but he had to make <laughs> a whole album. <gasps> <laughs> and it's... The whole Wall album is very much based on his life. Yeah. I mean, the guy, it's the protagonist in the album. It's a rock opera, so it's a whole story. Yeah. 
the protagonist, like his dad dies before he ever met him in World War II, which mm-hmm. is what happened to Roger. And then he grows up and becomes, you know, a big famous rock guy. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept of the album is like all these things that are alienating him, all these things that are causing him stress, like his dad being dead, fucking like his mom, like treating it, being overprotective, um, his fans being fucking losers or whatever. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're all just um, bricks in a wall yeah. that he's building up to shield himself from the world. Yeah. Right? Poor so, Roger. So it's so crazy, though, like the concept of the the show is like they're literally while they're performing, they're slowly building an entire wall on stage and then knocking it down. Yeah. Like that is like the absolute height of the the theater like performance. Yeah. Like they really were like, this is not just about four people playing instruments. This is the whole fucking production. It is. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, you come to Pink Floyd show, you're getting a show. <laughs> you're getting a show. You're getting a cement truck churning that cement out <laughs> cement brick. truck on stage <laughs> brick layers spackling That's everything right. all of it yeah and um this was also a really weird time for the band because they were kind of broke actually at the time yeah well surprise surprise <laughs> yeah <laughs> they actually left england for a little bit they went to france for like a few months to avoid taxes they cheap took, ass they france took a tax holiday did they yeah okay so then now they're like recording this and they're basically like fuck we don't have any money like this album has to do good oh. <laughs> or we're fucked <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a lot of personal tensions in the band at this point because now roger the ego is totally full at his head and mm-hmm. he's like pink floyd is my band mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i am pink floyd and pink floyd is me <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's writing all the, he's writing all the lyrics, but he he's still not ever like the musical spark. Like I think at this point, David was the one that was yes. really creating the really like musically powerful things, right? And their partnership is really what made these albums so good. Exactly, Earth to Roger, right? <laughs> so he at this point, he's like, I am Pink Floyd. Hey, Richard, what the fuck are you doing here? You don't add anything. You don't contribute anything. Why Why don't you just get out? <laughs> Richard said, don't mind if I do. He was like, all right, but I'm still going to play the shows. <laughs> Roger's like, fine. <laughs> so during, like, during the tour for that album, technically Richard Wright wasn't even a full member of the band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is just crazy. Like he's just, Roger's ego is just starting to completely tear the band apart. He's point. like, somebody's got to go crazy in this band and I think it's going to be me. <laughs> It's so it's a weird thing that happens when you get to that level of success and like the spotlight is on you more or less. It's like you start to get sometimes you really do start to think that you are the band. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's another band that I'm thinking of specifically that that happens to. But we'll talk about them on a different episode. (laughs) Um, But he dumps Richard. Mm -hmm. And everybody's pretty much annoyed at him now. Yeah. Wrong move, Raj. Anyway. And. You know, the the th- thing that's funny is that the album still does st- so well. Yeah. It sells millions and millions of copies. Mm-hmm. Huge tour. They make a movie out of it. Yeah. You know, all this crazy shit. But the relationship within the band basically couldn't be worse. It's just so disheartening. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what it is. What is what is the actual thing? Like, I want to sell this commercial to Pan Am. I don't want to sell this commercial to Pan Am. That's preposterous. Wait, you think you have anything to do with our success? (laughs) I don't think so. I am Pink Floyd. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Me! And then he laughs. (laughs) And then turns into the floating pig. Holy shit. He metamorphoses. (laughs) 
Behind a wall, though, so you can't see it happen. But he's fat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they put out another album as Pink Floyd, but this is basically at this point it's a Roger Waters solo album. Yeah. Like they said, like the other members, they're like we basically weren't even involved. Yeah. Wow. And it's called the Final Cut. Yeah. Still does well. The music does is still well. great. None I of mean, this music is bad. Yeah. That's no the one thing to, to think about. Yeah. No one dislikes Roger Waters' music. We just don't like his bitterness. Yeah. He's pretty bitter. Pretty bitter. And he's like, you know what? Pink Floyd is so my band that I don't even need them anymore. Mm-mm. I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. But y'all can't be Pink Floyd anymore because no. I'm Pink Floyd. That's right. And David Gilmore said, you thought, bitch. That's right. What do you think this is, bro? What? What? <laughs> he's like, you ain't playing me like that, dog. Not at all. So they, I mean, there's like a legal battle. Of course. Because you're talking about David Gilmore. You're not talking about a hired hand. I wonder if Roger Waters was saying, I'm fucking Roger Waters, bitch. Was he saying stuff like that? I, don't, I really couldn't imagine him saying that, but I really couldn't imagine him saying, I am Pink Floyd. Yes, I you am know Pink what I mean? Floyd. What about, I'm fucking Roger Waters. I'm Roger fucking Waters. How about, yeah. 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 You're nothing without me. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. You know, he has to add that. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And David's like, nah, fam. <laughs> so, so they're like, we're going to keep being Pink Floyd. Yeah. This is, you know, I was watching an interview with them. They're like, you got to think about like, they've been, you know, for the last 20 years, it's like, oh, who's David Gilmore? Oh, he's the guitarist from Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. who's Richard White? Oh, he's the, the keyboardist from Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was such a part of their identity Yeah, that they're not just going to let that be because Roger doesn't want anything to do with it anymore. Because Roger says so. Roger, uh, <laughs> why are you acting like you don't know these people? <laughs> like you just met them. I know. It's so crazy. They're arguing and they're all turning into the different animals while they're arguing. Roger's yelling and laughing and he's turning into a pig. And like, David's like, what do you think I am? Your fucking dog. And he turns into a German shepherd. He's like, yeah. Hur, hur. yeah. And then Nick and Rick just turned into sheep, I guess. <laughs> they're just like, well, Sorry, we're not guys. really in it. Like, they're like mm-hmm. hey, this seems like your fight, mm-hmm. but we want to be Pink Floyd still. Exactly. So I hope I'm on team David. I'm on team David. And you know what? So it turned out Roger did like the fame. Yeah, but it's it is really funny though, because so when Roger left, he was like, "I'm taking the Pink Floyd name. Y'all y'all can't do it anymore. I'm leaving Pink Floyd." And the rest of them were just kind of like, "Okay, leave. <laughs> we'll still do it. Exactly. I don't care." <laughs> and apparently, Roger was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, "I'm sure. I'm sure he started storming off." And then he was like, "He was like, what?" <laughs> So they just never stopped. So now it was really cool. This is like we said before, like there's so many different versions of Pink Floyd. And that's the end of the second version, basically, when yeah. Roger leaves. And now it's the third version where David is the leader. Yeah. And they're still making really beautiful music. Yeah. Um, the next album they do is uh, called A Momentary Lapse of Reason. Mm-hmm. And they're still under the Pink Floyd name. And now Roger's out doing solo work. Yes. And this made me laugh so hard. I saw an interview with Roger, with, with the pig himself. Mm-hmm. And he said, <laughs> I love you, Roger. Don't hate me. Um, he was like, yeah, so, um, you know, I was playing my solo albums in front of like 2000 people in a 6,000 seat venue. And then the next night, this was in Cincinnati, I think Mm -hmm. he's like, and then the next night, Pink Floyd, they were playing a football stadium in front of 75,000 people playing my songs. (laughs) G's up, holes down, Roger. (laughs) And, um, he was like, shit. Maybe I fucked up. 
<laughs> because this is the thing. It's like you think that you're Pink Floyd, but Pink Floyd is just bigger than just you, dude. Yeah. And the people know that too. Yeah. Like the people know, like it's not just the lyrics. If no. it was just the lyrics, you would be a you would be a famous poet, dude. You would. You would. You know what I mean? Because I came for David solos. I don't know about you. I came for David solos. <laughs> So Roger's gone and Pink Floyd is still doing it. Rocking the and party. And there's still, I mean, a momentary lapse of reason. That's still sold like 9, 10 million records. Yeah. Like, they're, they're still one of the greatest selling bands, period. And they're still killing it. They're not letting Roger not being there stop them, which must have just made him so mad. Exactly. Roger, who we formally are calling Wah Wah now. <laughs> wah Wah Waters. <laughs> My favorite bass player of all time. <laughs> We're sorry, Mr. Roger Waters. We're never going to England. You had it coming, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. He even said, he said now he was just like, I was wrong. Like he admits now he was like, I erroneously tried to to say that I was the band. Yeah. And he realized that he was wrong. Like (laughs) at the time he was just so pumped up on ego that he didn't really, he wasn't able to take that step back to be like, this is crazy. Like they've been part of Pink Floyd this whole time too. Like yeah. it's not just me, but he does realize it now that he was, he was wrong and he, yeah. he was definitely in the wrong. He probably went vegan instead of like just being a big pig. Like, you know, cause it's like, you can't see your belly button. So how are you going to see everybody else? So he turned into and a, him. he turned into a stalk of asparagus. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there are no more songs about you now. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger's gone. Pink Floyd continues on. They put out another album, The Division Bell. Mm-hmm. Still great. It's all great music. Yeah. But that was the last album that they put out as yeah. Pink Floyd. Right. Right. Because at that point, it's just like, I mean, now, I mean, you've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. You're like, what else do we have to do? Yeah. It's I like, mean, we've been on, on top for fucking decades. Yeah. And like, it was clear that they didn't have a whole bunch of illegitimate children, so they didn't have to constantly be on the road. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why else would you be on the road? You got mouse to feed, dog. <laughs> but they, they recorded um, the Division Bell in David's studio, which was on a boat, which is just so funny to me. I'm like, why? I'm like, is that good for the sound or you just wanted to stun on somebody? Like, <laughs> I think so. Hey, come to my houseboat. We'll record in there. <laughs> it's like, all right. But actually thinking about it, that might have affected the music a little bit. If yeah, you the just, sonic. Like, sail out to sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acoustics. It, it definitely has something to do with it. It probably makes it a lot warmer, too. And he's a warm sound kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And they, their song, I think we were just talking about this. They have a song on there called Marooned, mm-hmm. which Marooned, that's a very, you know, oceany thing. That's true. Marooned on a desert island or and something. And that, like that song goes on to win a Grammy, I believe. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. We were talking about their Grammy wins, how um, that's the only one. And that's like 1995. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, the, the other ones don't have Grammys. Um, they def- they're definitely in the Grammy Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. this is more like posthumously. I, I don't really know how to pronounce that word a lot. I think so. that was right. Posthumously. Yeah. Okay. And they're not dead, but you know. Pink Floyd is no more, so they're there. Um, but Dark Side of the Mood is still on the charts. Still on the <laughs> charts. I mean, no Grammys, but that's okay, right? Because Nas don't have a Grammy. Uh, a lot of Who artists. Who needs Grammys when you got money? Millie Vanilli needs Grammys. <laughs> Vanilla Ice needs Grammys. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so after that album, I think they, they do one last tour, and then they pretty much call it a day. Yeah. They do end up reuniting once in 2005 for live aid Mm -hmm. and it's funny like you look at that footage and you know watching it that roger knows that he fucked up 
Yeah, because they didn't even <laughs> want to touch him at the end of the show. Like, David's like, Roger's like, no. Well, he looked like he was having such a good time. Roger yes, did. He yes. was like, oh, it's great to be back. He's like smiling, and the rest of them just kind of like, <laughs> like, I still don't really want anything to do with you, bro. You wow. kind of fucked us over, dude. Like, yeah. I thought we were boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's really interesting to see. But yeah, it is cool that they kind of had that last moment, though. I mean, for us, yeah, for it's us, cool. Yeah. You know, we don't know what happened backstage. You know, they walk off and then Roger's like, get the fuck away from me. You don't know. Like, <laughs> it was funny the, the way I think um, Nick was saying. He's like, yeah, well, we invited him. We were like, look, Pink Floyd is playing Live Aid. <laughs> and we're Pink Floyd. If you want to play the songs with us, that's cool. But Pink Floyd is doing Live Aid. You know what I mean? <laughs> And Roger's like, all right, yeah, fuck it. I'll, <laughs> I'll come through. And yeah, it just looked like he was having a great time. And he must have at that point been like, man, I, I kind of messed up. Like, I, like we, we could have done this more. Yeah, like, how could you do it, Raj? How could you do it? But yeah, I mean, that's basically the whole story of Pink Floyd. Yeah, basically that's it. And then I, I love how these guys have aged. I love to still hear them talk. I mean, they could do anything and still make money. They don't have to put out an album, like I said. Just write books, teach master classes, things like that. Like, I mean, wow. I would pay for a David Gilmore guitar master class. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just, you know, Pink Floyd is one of those things there. They really... They changed so much. Like, they changed what the idea, almost what the idea of music could be mm -hmm. with, like, all these extra things they added in. And, like, again, just, like, obviously this didn't actually happen, but just, like, Roger's, like, idea of, like, let's make a whole album out of household items. Like, yeah. Just, like, the, the creativity of that, it really is influential. Even if they don't really make that happen, just yeah. to be thinking of things in that way, yeah. it's a good thing for artists. Yeah. Yeah. I think the beauty of them is, like, they really sonically picked up life because even like right now we're recording there's music playing outside there's little sounds from apartments upstairs and stuff like that and that's mm -hmm. like what they did with their album so that's their thing you know yeah and they're some of their music it just it really is timeless and it just as long as humans are around it's not gonna die right and that's that's i don't know that's the thing that always i think about when i think of pink floyd because like some of their songs i listen to them they're just so beautiful yeah it's like you can't really you don't really even know why sometimes they're like they hit you in such an emotional spot mm -hmm. but they just do mm -hmm. and they're it's one thing to have the experience of losing your, your singer to you know mental illness and all that shit but to be able to take that and turn it into this kind of music mm -hmm. is not something that everyone would be able to do right but they did it they did. And here we are in 2022 talking about them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So big shout out to our patron, Ben Guevara, our newest patron. All right. We wanted to shout him out because if y'all don't know, our Patreon, patreon.com slash music maniacs, is basically how we're able to like continue to do this and like support the podcast. Right. And he's our newest member. So big shout out to Ben. Hey. We just wanted to say that. If y'all want to support the podcast, Go to patreon.com slash musicmaniacs. Yep. We'll do bonus content there for every episode. We'll say your name on the podcast. And you get to tell us what, uh, I almost said albums, what podcast we should do. So go over yep. there, check it out. Patreon.com slash musicmaniacs. Listen to our music, Side After Dark, wherever you stream music. Yep. Um, am I forgetting anything? Um, like, 
share, subscribe, give a hug and a kiss, buy a sad t-shirt, come see us play music in New York City on April 19th. We got yeah. so much stuff to say. Oh yeah, we do have shit to say. Come see us at the Parkside Lounge, yeah. April 19th, 317 House of Street. Uh-huh. Um, Sid won't be there. Only in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much it for this one, I think. So yeah. thanks for being here. Thanks for being maniacs with us. Uh-huh. And we'll see you around. See ya.